Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Do you or someone you love obsess over the Habs and they aren't even a fan of the team? Is your social media filled with old jokes and pathetic attempts at trolling? Then you have HOD, Habs Obsessive Disorder. From the makers of Bergy Arms comes 3 to 1. 3 to 1 is specially formulated to cause a temporary choking sensation, which will remind you that your team hasn't won a playoff series since the invention of HD television. Side effects may include a desire to shave your head and grow a goatee, a lack of fashion sense, an uncontrollable urge to say, but Tavares was hurt, pretending every head coach this century doesn't call your team soft, an uncontrollable urge to choke in the playoffs, and a realization that your ability to have an inferiority complex while simultaneously being obnoxious while never winning is why you're found undesirable. Ask your doctor if three to one is right for you. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 233. I'm your host, Blaine Putvang. I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Smith. Viva. And Treg Wilson. Hello. Welcome to the show, folks. Uh, so, you know, we had a little bit of a week off there with uh, the All-Star break and long weekends. How, how'd your week go there, Matt? It's fantastic. I was off. I turned 34. Um, I tried some... Uh, Try some really good wine and some peanut butter whiskey, and yeah, overall, pretty damn good time. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Yeah. So no hookers and blow. Not this time. I figured save, you know. Save that for thirty-five. They, they they were in Vegas. I thought maybe you wanted a Vegas holiday. <laughs> maybe next time. Yeah. What about you, Trey? Uh, both my granddaughters got COVID, so that was my week. There you go. Hookers and blow sounds a lot better. Yeah, they're they're asymptomatic, so they have no symptoms, so that's good. But they they test positive. Still, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I did, I did drop from twenty one percent body fat to sixteen point four. Congratulations! Not that's in the a, week. That's a big not, shit. Not in the week, <laughs> but uh, since September. Wow. How much Metamucil did that take, old man? No Metamucil, none whatsoever. <laughs> per day, every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I lose four and a half pounds every day. That's body fat percentage. That's not pounds. Oh, I actually oh. weigh the same amount of weight I did in September. So, Oh, I'm sure Tina loves it. <laughs> 
she's uh, she's not into muscular dudes. <laughs> <laughs> so when it was her birthday the other day, <laughs> I wow. she got to sleep in. <laughs> yeah, she. Tina doesn't get a birthday or Valentine's Day because they're a week apart. She gets birthtime day. So it's kind of like I combine the two of them into one day that's her own. Gotcha. Huh. That's romantic. That's that's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. That way I don't have to buy two separate gifts or two separate cards or any of that <laughs> bullshit. So But that's not what you tell her. That's exactly what I told her. I don't hide anything. Like she's not stupid. <laughs> so I I just play it as but Tina, I made a whole day just for you. You have your own day that nobody else has. Birth time day. <laughs> that doesn't go over well. No. Well, you know, you figure she'd be useful by now. What's it been, 20 years? Yeah. yeah. Thereabouts? Yeah. The worst yeah. is when you forget birth time day plus the birthday and Valentine's Day. And you're still here to talk about it. Speaking of people that aren't here anymore. <laughs> yeah, we'll get we'll get to that. We'll talk about uh, Mr. Ducharme <laughs> here in a moment. But I just wanted to uh, no, uh, make a notation. Sean Farrell, his Olympic debut was lights out. Three goals, two assists in the Americans' 8 nothing win over China. Unbelievable. Are you sure it's China? Because I don't think Chris Chelios' son has anything to do with China. He's he's now Chinese. Just saying. And there wasn't a whole lot of people on that team that looked over over that looked pretty Chinese to me. Like they all looked pretty. I think there was actually what was it five natural born Chinese players on that team. And the rest are all expats. Mm-hmm. They got citizenship. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters at the end of the That's day. all that matters. Mm-hmm. Very suspect. <laughs> well, I mean, they just started their hockey program not even, what, five years ago? So Something I'm not like surprised. That, yeah. I'm not surprised. Very suspect. Nonetheless, just Sean Farrell looked, he, he looked he really looked good in that game. He's looked, he's looked good for quite a long time, though, and this was just kind of a, uh, I can't even say it's like a coming out party for him. Like, they, we already know that this kid was good. And we already yeah, know but, that he's been a steal, that he was a steal of the draft. So, or a steal of the draft. So, Courtney Cole Caulfield, the steal. Yeah. He's well, someone to be, he's someone to be excited about. Like, we talk a lot about yeah. Jordan Harris, we talk a lot about Struble. Some of these other guys are coming up. But when it comes to forwards, he's one he's of the dynamic. Top. Yeah. He's dynamic. Yeah. I, I just, I'm just glad that the last year's in Chicago Steel wasn't just a product of him being above, uh, above. You know what I mean? Like the big fish in the small pond. And then I was worried once he got to the next level, he, you know, because he did so well for Chicago last year. It was just unbelievable. But he's continuing it on and and he's doing well now. And hopefully. Yeah, he's playing really well in Harvard. Um, He's been up and down, though. I mean, he he's not a true freshman. He's more of a sophomore at that age. But uh and he's putting up the points. He's definitely putting up the points in Harvard, but it's, it, he has a couple of games where he's dominant and then a couple of games where he's having a bit of a hard time. And it's not exactly the most um, competitive of conferences, 
Yeah. So, and the, the teams he's having a hard time with sometimes are weaker teams. So it's just it, it's a consistency thing for him. He's still he's over just, a point, still over a point yeah. game in his, yeah. in his, in his uh, first year. So it is what it is. He's only yep. going to get better. He's got three more years of eligibility. Yeah. He'll be fine. Yeah. But he's looking great in the Olympics so far. And I, I know the argument's going to be, yeah, but it's China. Well, like Treg mentioned, they're not all Chinese born. A lot of them are American and Canadian trained and raised players. So they're a decent team. <clears throat> not, not good, but you know, eh. they're clearly going to be at the bottom of this division, but Overall, he scored about 66% of the points for the American team in that game. So it wasn't a fluke. Oh, backhand pass was pretty amazing. Oh my God, that little spin around backhand, no look pass from behind the net. That was sweet. And it's nice to see offensively gifted players being given space to create offense. Something that Dom Ducharme did not provide much of. And as everyone expected, he was fired. It was just now, a matter of time. It was Matt just a matter Bedard, of time. Matt Bedard was uh, saying he, he'll stay to the end. So Matt, Matt. Uh, well, he's, yeah. So Matt. He, he took Gordon and Hughes on their word is what he did. Yeah. And he was upset. He was upset that they didn't keep their word. But no. let's be brutally honest. The way things were going with this team, he had to go. And he was going to be gone at the end of the year anyway. And in the press conference, uh, Hughes and Gorton admitted, look, he was gone at the end of the year. So if he's already going to be gone and things are going the way they are, we may as well just end it. They couldn't take they couldn't take any more negative no. press. And um, I, I, I don't I believe... think it was the press. I think it's they couldn't take any more touchdowns scored against them. Well, there's that. But a lot of the like you look at a lot of these player interviews and like each and every one of these interviews, the players just look defeated and you've got a team that's eight thirty and seven right now, worst record in the front you know, the history of the franchise, et cetera. And you, when you see guys like, uh, like Josh Anderson speak out the way that he did, it was just a matter of time. Like he uh, flat out calling it embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, and there was, you know, I don't think very many people, if anybody, saw St. Louis coming in as coach, which obviously we'll get to in a second. But uh, it was just whatever Ducharme systems were and whatever he was preaching to this team, it, it did not work for this group of players. And he just was never able to kind of just grab the bull by the horns and, 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 and go on a winning streak or, or, or have anything that uh, was anything really of worth other than the playoffs, but when, when he was in the playoffs, he was, he was, yes, he was the head coach, but he was still preaching an old system and he had a very much a different team. Yes. We can say that injuries played a part. We can say COVID played a part and yes, it's a, it's a part of it, but game in and game out when you can't win back-to-back games throughout the season and your players are speaking the way that they are, the writing was on the wall. There had to be a change. We, uh, we can't put the blame all on him though. Yes. He, um, he definitely did not adjust his system. He refused, he was stubborn. He wouldn't change Uh, his, his lineup changes were, you know, just run of the mill, fully expected. 
lean on the veterans kind of stuff, but he never had the room. In my opinion, he never had the room because he was just an extension of Julian who had lost the room. Then you add in, and that's a bad, that's a bad situation to step into. And then after the playoffs, everything went wrong. So COVID, all the injuries, losing his captain, all of that worked against him. And then his, his stubbornness mounted on top of that. And you've got a team that's given up five or more goals over 20 times in 45 games. This is by far the worst team the Canadians have iced in their history. And it's one of the worst teams in NHL history. Like we're talking expansion team levels. That's their record right now. Something had to give and and, you can't and, and, let these. You can't let the kids play in a system like this or in a in an atmosphere like this. Yeah, and you look at uh, you look at even the team that they lost to in the Devils. They're one of the worst teams in the league themselves, and, and they it made smoked it, them. And the, and yeah, it looked like it was they were playing a, a fucking pee wee team. Like it was awful. Do you know who's good for coaching a pee wee team? <laughs> he even mentioned that <laughs> Marty St. Louis. No, uh, going back to Desherm. The players didn't throw to Sherman of the bus. They never said no. it was entirely his fault. They didn't. Uh, Only uh, Petrie was the one all season long to say anything about that. But he it all depends on the way you interpreted what he said. But he's he the only work, one that even hinted in he that didn't direction. come right out and say, no, but I mean, you saw the issues uh, drew in head with Ducharme. And again, I don't think they were arguments. I think he just didn't understand what Ducharme wanted him to do. Um, or he didn't agree with what Ducharme wanted him to do. Or Ducharme and didn't sell it well enough or explain it well enough. I, I think what it is, and we're going to get into this later, I think what it is with Ducharme was he was set in his system. This is my system. You will all play to my system. And he just didn't have the players to play that system. And it held players back. And there's a nice quote that I know we're going to get to later on probably why those players were held back uh, in the system. So sorry yeah. to Sherman, Matt, I agree with you. They went back on the word, but I think they kind of had to, they, they, they had no I mean, choice. you can't, you can't predict two months ago that you'd win only two games. Yeah. <laughs> so now you're looking at a team right now, Bergevin under contract to the end of the, to the end of the season, Julian end of the season. And Ducharme let go year one of a three-year contract. Well, that's Ber- that's Bergevin's fault. I mean, the writing was on the wall with Ducharme last year and in the playoffs. Let let let's be honest. If it wasn't for that playoff run, would du- I don't think Ducharme would even no. be here this year. No, he wouldn't. Have. No, and so. the situation that that the team is in now <clears throat> with Ducharme being fired, and honestly, even though it's not all his fault, it had to be done. There. You can't go 35, 38 more games with this, this garbage on the ice. Let's be honest. The, the team was not, was not responding. And no. you, want, you want the games to be entertaining at the very least because they still have to sell tickets. Fans seem to be resigned to the fact that the Canadians are going for the first overall pick, and that's fine. But no one wants to sit there and watch their team get completely smoked seven to one six to two seven to two i mean their last win was against dallas it's been over a month that was a long time ago it's just it's not acceptable and when you're putting up touchdowns against 
something had to give. So it's the coach. I mean, there's players that are going to be traded. I mean, um, Gordon, uh, not Gordon, uh, Hughes even flat out said, this is just the first change of many changes that are on their way this season. So the trade deadline is going to be very busy. There's going to be a lot of players leaving town. Some of them rightfully so. And I, and I'm going to get into why I think so when we get to the next, uh, the next segment with the, the new coach, but just to finish off with Ducharme, um, I think he's going to get another chance somewhere else. And I think he will as an, as an assistant or even a head coach. He's still going to get another NHL job because you look at what happened last year's run into the playoffs. I mean, the really compressed schedule. Then he makes it to the final and then everything came completely unglued. And he had this horrible year, even though he has like a two sixty something win percentage, someone's going to give him a chance just on the fact he made the final. Yeah, and and his history with uh, the Memorial Cup and the Halifax Mooseheads, and yeah, I mean, team. Let's Canada. be honest. The team he had last year was more fitted to his system than the team he had this year. You had Perry, you had Stahl, you had all these players who are used to playing assist that type of system, defense yeah. first type whatever system, and uh, this year he didn't have those players. He had players that were more you know, freewheeling and wanting to read plays and stuff that maybe the new coach will be able to change. <laughs> so Maybe, maybe. Uh, all right. So Ducharme's gone. There was some talk that maybe Richardson would step in as the interim, but we've seen that play out before when they brought in Cunnyworth, a unilingual angle phone as a, as a head coach in Montreal, Molson, took a lot of heat for it so i'm not surprised that they went with a frank of uh, trying to find a, a bilingual coach and getting someone with an interim tag like they do with saint louis i think that was the key because they want to take their time and actually at the end of the season have a full committee find the guy they want interview a bunch of people i still i'm not sure that saint louis is going to be coming back as a head coach but Having St. Louis come in, he wanted to be a head coach in the NHL eventually, and this gave him the opportunity. So why not? You know, he can he can't do any worse. What's he going to do? Lose by two touchdowns? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, like the thing that uh, obviously we're going to get into his presser now. Um, what kind of stood out for me is when they were talking about uh, term and contract and interim tag and everything. The fact that he said uh, the terms of the contract didn't bother me. It was about the opportunity Yeah, that that's all he was looking for. He doesn't need any promises. He just needs the chance and I'll show you what I can do. And uh, without giving away too much of the press conference all, all at once, I really just liked how confident he was and how well that he spoke throughout and uh, he threw a little bit of humor in there, and when, especially when he was asked about not having coaching experience. And um, I think he handled himself very well. And uh, win or lose, the Canadians are going to continue to uh, have St. Louis behind the bench for the rest of the season. And um, maybe this boost of confidence that you're seeing within the coach, who we're going to see obviously tonight against the Capitals, Maybe that's what the team needs. Maybe they maybe. just need that. Maybe they just need that voice and the and the and the fresh face behind the bench to 
you know, light a spark under their ass, and maybe we'll see what these what these players are, can really uh, can really do. I think Treg said it best on Twitter yesterday. Everybody wanted them to think outside the box, to go find someone outside the box. They were clamoring, "Come on, we want yeah. some fresh blood." And then what do they say after they do exactly that, Treg? They said, "Why are we always hiring guys without experience?" Or the, the proverbial, we should hire the best coach, not just a French one. Yeah. Well, how do you know the best coach isn't a French coach? Yeah. But and, there were t- there were people talking about bringing it Babcock and bringing in this and that and everything like that. And no. Yeah. It's just. Most, and to be honest, most coaches wouldn't want to step into an interim tag like this for yeah. half a season in this train wreck. So you take, you got to take what you can get. And in this case here, it's somebody that has no NHL coaching experience, which means he hasn't been fired by a bunch of teams. He's open to new ideas because he had, he lacks that experience. Like he clearly has a bit of an idea of what he wants to see because he is a hall of fame hockey player. He has experience, but honestly, I feel like this hire wasn't to hire a coach. It was to hire a team captain. Well, I, I, <clears throat> judging from St. Louis pressure, presser, he said doesn't deal in, 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 he doesn't like systems. He didn't like playing in a system. And a key thing I took out of what he said, he goes, great players become average players when played in a system because they're put in a box and they can't go outside that box. And I thought that was either really good way to say, I'm not going to be like Ducharme. Uh, because they have a lot of players on this team like Caulfield, Suzuki, Druitt, who really can't play in a system. You need to let them free to wheel and deal and do their thing, and especially Caulfield. And uh, if he – that's what his plan is, and I think this will be good for the the development of the young players like Caulfield, Paling, guys like that. It'll be interesting to see what the lines are going to be going forward. Um. Hughes had another good thing that he said. He said, uh, you have to remember that, uh, you know, St. Louis isn't just about X's and O's and we don't want to be just about X's and O's. Um, St. Louis said another thing where he said uh, about, you don't coach a team. You also have to coach individuals. Yeah. And that, so the individual thing and the uh, uh, not coaching to a, to a, uh, to a, uh, a system, but uh, what did he call it? He, he wants to coach to a, uh, I forget what he called it, but uh, um, anyway, I, those two things there to me, give me hope that you're going to see a more competitive team uh, uh, and, and, and a better team. Maybe they may not win. They may not go on this. I think uh, Grant McKegg said they have to win 63% of the games to follow the bottom five. Uh I think, you know, I think if they're uh, this is my prediction, I feel like he's going to win nine games in the rest of the season. That's sure. my expectation. Sure. Nine wins. I think it'll be more, but I think the games just... will be a lot closer. And that's, that's going to be the most important thing is to, and to, to boost these guys. Just if, if they keep Caulfield up, if they keep paling up to see a little bit more drive from them and, involving them in the play and just boosting their confidence going into next year and not seeing 
the the team rely on guys like a, like like Dauphin. Like he's he's Dauphin. Don't get me wrong; he's worked hard in some of the games that he's played, and a lot of people have spoke out about that. However, is he going to be a Montreal Canadian moving forward? Is he going to be a guy that you're going to build into your top nine? More than likely not. So instead of giving him the extra playing time, give it to Paling. Give it to these these other young fellas and 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 see what you can do with them. That's what's but Dauphin fit the Sheriff system. That's why Dauphin got that's right. That's right. And so what, now so what I'm, I'm, gone. That's so. right. So I'm looking to see these young guys go in. Even even a guy like Pizzetta, like bring in that energy, bring in the youth, bring in the uh bring in a guy that's just you know what you're gonna get from him. I don't well, think you're gonna see the, too many changes in tonight's game. Not tonight's no, game. No. Give no, it a, he hasn't give had it time time. to even no. he's talked to the team maybe twice. Yeah. Um but he's a coach with an interim tag, which means the management has a little bit more say. So my expectation is that they've already chatted and they told him they want the young guys to play more. And I don't think that he would be the kind of coach anyway to watch the game and then sit the young guys when they're playing well. Like uh, the last game against New Jersey, the top line was Paling's line with uh, with Caulfield and Armia. Yep. Their possession numbers were great. They were looking really good. The eye test matched the the analytics. And then after maybe 10 shifts, he broke the lineup and he moved them around. You don't, so a coach like St. Louis, someone like St. Louis is probably not going to do that. He's going to see a, t- a line rolling. He's going to give them more ice time. But he's also People's, going to give guys like Caulfield more freedom. More opportunity too. To play his game. Yeah. Whereas instead of saying, no, you're going to go skate here. You're going to do this because he's going to do this and he's going to do this because this is the way we're doing it. You know, he's going to be like, hey, you got the talent. You got the whatever. Go use it. The biggest thing I want to see out of his so-called system is simplifying the defensive structure. You know, that stupid play where you see the defenseman follow their man to the opposite side of the ice and have to swap with their partner. Why? Why not just stay in your side of the ice? The guy cuts across, the other defenseman picks him up. And you stay with the man that's following in behind. The forwards are doing the crisscross at the entrance of the zone to force the defenders to follow them. And if your system is set up to fall for that bullshit every time, you're going to get wide open looks like the Heischer goal in New Jersey where Petrie went off picking flowers with the puck carrier and Heischer was I think he had time to write a, a thank you note to his, uh, his aunt for sending him the, uh, the cookies. Um, I think he wrote half a poem. I think he you know, swiped right three times on Tinder too. When he was sitting there. Pretty sure. <laughs> pretty sure. But uh, was concepts was the word I was looking for earlier. He was ah. going to coach to concepts. And, and he also said he wants to coach more away from the puck than the person with the puck. Cause, and, and I believe what he's trying to say is, if you have the puck, you should already know what you should be doing or shouldn't be doing with the puck. So why would I coach you with the puck? I wanted these guys to be more informed and then would these guys be better when they're not, when they don't have the puck, which I think is another issue with Ducharme. When the pe- players, a lot of players, when they didn't have the puck, they had no idea where to go or what to do. There was a lot of looking around, watching people with the puck and watching other players going, all right, well, what's he going to do? Or as soon as a player was out of his position, no Which one, a lot. 
no one took stepped up. No one stepped up and said, "Oh shit, he's out of position. I better take that spot." And uh, I mean, I'm I'm interested to see how Petrie's going to do with Martin with St. Louis as opposed to Ducharme. I mean, either way, I think Petrie's going to be yeah, he's door, he's going to be but, gone uh, for sure. But um, St. Louis did mention something about wanting the players to play more of a an instinctual game. He wanted them to play to their instincts. Says you don't get to the NHL just because you can play a system. They're smart players and they, they've played for a long time. They have instincts. He wants them to read the plays and follow their instincts. So I'm interested to see how it turns out, especially on the defensive side. Like it's creativity wise. I think the offense is going to be a lot more creative. We're probably going to see a lot more opportunities, but there's probably going to be a lot of opportunities going the other way for the first little while until the guys can kind of settle down. Well, it's going to be wide open hockey. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it'll be fun. Yeah. The important, Which co- is, uh, it's got to stay close though. And he, and he said he wants the players to have fun. Like if they were yeah, playing Peter. I have that. Uh, so <laughs> that was, uh, that was the part of the, um, the uh, interview that I thought went really, really well. And it showed that he had full control of the interview and the confidence to deal with it. He, told, he said, uh, if anything, the team needs right now, it's to have fun. When these guys were in Peewee, they had fun. So I'm probably the most qualified guy right now, yeah. seeing as how he was just coaching a Peewee team. Right. But, uh... <laughs> so, and that was with Eric Engels. Eric asked him about uh, a couple of things and th- he was just playing with them, right? It wasn't, it wasn't mean spirited. It was a good natured fun. So you could tell he has the experience with the press and it showed. Yeah, he also came in and said that he, he wasn't coming in as a substitute teacher. I thought that was kind of funny as well. <laughs> yeah, and he yeah. said, uh, you know, I'm coming to show work. We'll see what happens this summer. My intention is to stay here for a long time, but I'll need to show it and prove it. And uh, if he can win over this, uh, if he can win over this bench of players, even though that uh, changes are going to be coming, and obviously this summer the draft's going to be very important and the moves that they're going to make, and then you're looking at the health of Carey Price, the health of Evanson, et cetera, et cetera. These guys coming back into the lineup and uh, once again, going into that winning culture, if he instills some winning culture and some, uh, some energy back into this lineup, maybe he will be around next season. I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give him a chance. I'm going to give him a chance. I don't, I don't see it happening that, you know, the interim tank is going to drop off at the end of the year. He's going to get signed to a contract, et cetera. I do believe that there is going to be a process, but I believe he'll be a candidate. Just to throw it out there, the last Montreal Canadian who got hired with no coaching experience was Mario Trombley. Yeah, but he wasn't given an interim tag. He was just hired right out, just outright. In the two seasons he coached Montreal, he was a 71, 63, and 25 record he went 40 27 and 10 and then he went 31 36 and 15 so he did okay but are you saying that now Kerry price is going to demand a trade and go to colorado only if he's left in for nine goals (laughs) which is possible this season (laughs) yeah yeah it's very possible with this team right now uh you know honestly at the very least i think um with saint louis coming in I think the guys are going to play a little bit harder. They'll play a little bit better because he, he commands that respect. And I do think that he's more of a, a captain as opposed to a coach. He, you know, he's going to have that leadership. And I think the guys will respond well enough 
not great, but well enough uh, to the point where some of them are going to start playing a little bit better and maybe increase the trade value. So at the very least, if that happens, it was a worthwhile hire and a worthwhile attempt. I expect four to five players to be gone by the trade deadline. Oh, at least. So a quick, uh, a quick uh, tweet from John Liu. He just threw out the lines for tonight's game. And we talked a little bit about Dauphin. Uh, Dauphin is not in the lineup tonight. <gasps> Shocking. Uh, so we're looking at Lekin and Suzuki to Foley, Hoffman, Byron, Gallagher. So Byron at center. Uh, Pitlick, Evans, Anderson, Armia, Paling, Caulfield. Defense pairings, Romanov, Sherratt, Kulak, Petrie were victimized in the last game. It looked absolutely Thanks awful. Uh, Clegg Weidman with the starter being Caden Primo. So no real big changes there other than bringing in Pitlick back in, which yeah. I wish, why was he sitting in the first place? That it made didn't no make sense too much to sense since he's come over. He's, he's played with energy. He's made a couple of mistakes, but the whole fucking team has. So why would you take him out of the lineup? I mean, overall, he's been the most enthusiastic and yeah. productive player. True. Right. Uh, Kulak and Petrie historically though, are a good pairings. Yeah, but not Kulak. not that last game. Yeah, no, Kulak. I know, not yeah. the last, but I'm just saying Kulak and Petrie are historically a, a really good pairing, yeah. actually. Yeah. And Kulak's playing his 300th career game tonight as well. Hopefully it turns out real well. I'd love to see them pull out a win, you know, St. Louis' first game. You the pick, guys you, need it. The guys yeah. need it. But even if they put on a hell of a performance, especially against a team like Washington, yeah, it would be a big confidence booster, I believe. And uh, the, the big thing is um, – for me, it's primo. Yeah, if uh, he's he's got a he's got to have a bounce back game. He he really does, and uh, even during the press conference, they talked about, you know, not a lot of changes have have happened. Yes, there's been some waiver pickups. There's been a coaching change, but that's really been it. Um, we've talked about goaltending. They talked about goaltending, and they said that they don't want to just bring in a player and spend money and uh, when you don't want to be forced to do so. It makes and, sense though, because they're not making the playoffs anyway. No, no. So my, well, you don't want to ruin though, the goalie either. That's exactly it. Yeah. But if Primo gets minutes in the NHL, let him have his minutes in the NHL. Yeah. I get it. You don't he also want has him... to have a competitive team in front of him. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Right. I mean, I prefer Primo. I would rather than bring up McNevin and put Primo in Laval. Yeah. And yep. uh, <clears throat> like, where but, is McNevin now? The taxi squad's gone ta- after the all-star. He's break. back at Laval. So I'd rather McNevin there and him and Montembeau duke it out yeah. uh, because neither him or Montembeau have a future with Montreal. So no, um, let them do it out until price comes back. If he comes back or Allen comes back and uh, then go from there. And then when Allen comes back, get rid of one of them. Yeah. Like just put well, them on waivers. They, they, didn't want to get rid of Ducharme until the end of the season. And then they, they waited, they saw that they had to make a move and they made the move. They didn't want, they didn't want to go out and get a goaltender just to get a goaltender so they can send Primo down. So maybe if it continues the way it's been going, they'll make a move Yeah, because they're not married to any one idea. I, I, I realize, and Matt, I'm <laughs> Bedard, I'm, you know, a Scotian Canadian. We love you. We're just using this as an example because you've posted it recently. They may they said something that doesn't mean they're going to stick to that. And personally, I like to see that. 
they're being honest a little bit openly, a little too much for this market. Because if they say something and they go back against it, oh, they get shit on. And not that Matt shit on them, but it's that kind of thing. To me, I'm glad to see them adjusting their plans based on the, the real world data that's in front of them. I, I think... Like I said, when Gorton first came on, he had no plans of firing Deshaun. So he said that I have no plans of getting rid of him. We're, it's a losing season, okay? Already, there's no point switching coaches. Ken Hughes came on, and he never really said he wasn't going to fire Deshaun. He just said, "No, right now our coach is our coach, right? Like we're not, you know." He, he. So, in retrospect, you can't sit there and say, "Well, we're probably going to lose every game now on five nothing." But we said we weren't going to fire that coach, so we can't yeah. fire him. But that's Gorton saying something, and then you've got Hughes that came in and was able to do his evaluation of, <clears throat> of, of what his coaching staff is looking like. And if you, want, if you want everyone to know who's in charge, well, if it's Hughes' decision, if it was Hughes' decision to, to pull the plug on him, then that's showing that he has, he has the reins. I don't well, think, I don't think is- they would have. I don't think he would have fired him if they were losing games four, three, and three, two. No, me neither. No, no, no. And I, I don't think Hughes is a mouthpiece for Gordon. I think Hughes is the GM of the Montreal yes. Canadiens. Yes. And I think Hughes makes decisions. He does. And Gordon definitely has input. There's no doubt. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I don't think he said Hughes goes, I'm going to do this. And now Gordon goes, no, 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 no. I think they discuss. I think he goes to Gordon and says, this is what I want to do. And this is why. it's going to be very it's going to be very interesting to see what happens uh at the trade deadline some of these players that we might see move we might we might not see move um they it's the right now this is about maximal value and then giving that ice time for those vacant positions to the future of the team now, I agree with, with Treg. I think there's going to be a lot of bodies moving out by the trade deadline. And according to Elliot Friedman, uh, the rumor is that St. Louis is not just there to prove that he can be an NHL coach. He's also there to, to report to Hughes and give him his view of the room. Who's worth keeping? Who's, who's a leader? Who's not? Who's dragging the team down? And Hughes is going to go on that because he has mentioned and he mentioned it in the press conference today that you're, you don't just build a team with skill. You need a team, a team yeah. concept, a, a culture. So yeah. he, that's going to help him with that. Yeah. This team needs to find an identity. And hopefully St. Louis can help them find that identity. And that's the identity of a, a fast paced offensive team, which is exactly what Hughes wants to build. Now, they don't have all the parts for that yet, but they can try and play in that methodology. Yep. They'll fail at it. They won't win a lot of games. Like I said, I figure maybe nine games, but I feel like the games will be a lot closer. One can hope. <laughs> God, One can please. Hope. If they're just fun, if the games at least are fun to watch, because the last month has been painful. Yep. I've actually had people send me DMs saying, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you guys sit there and watch all the games. And the response is, well, we kind of have to. We make a little bit, we make beer money off of talking about them. <laughs> do you know what? It's really for the love of the game and for the love of the team. It's, uh, 
it's it's not good for the nerves that's for sure no. <laughs> but it is it is what it is and uh we're hoping that uh obviously next season is going to be something to actually cheer about and well, and, 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 and make, make you bet, want good times to, better well and then you want to you want to make it so you want to spend the money to go see them play you want to see them succeed you want to see them this you want to see them that you want to buy the jerseys and the merch and everything i haven't spent a cent i'll be honest i watched a lot of the games and fast forward that's the only way they might get out of their zone and even <laughs> then they still look slow yeah yeah <laughs> i'm on like you know times 36 and Shirat, well, actually, Shirat's not a bad skater, but uh, some guys still look like they're trying to get out of the zone. Yeah. Now, how many times did Petrie lose the puck? Uh, oh, that's, every in time real, he that's, had in, that's in real time. Shit, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> every time he had it, he was what, a minus four, minus five that last game? Oh, and was, they weren't, so. he didn't get those minuses because he just happened to be on the ice when the other team scored. Yeah. He was directly responsible for those goals. He, he might as well have just put the puck in the slot and left it there. And I think he did that a couple times. He's like, I, I, oh, look, you know there's what? Mercer. Pass. I, I, I think it's good that Primo's get the start right after that bad or that, yeah. that bad start. So, I mean, it shows that, hey, we, we believe in you. Let's go out there, have a good comeback game. I'm not expecting any miracles tonight. I'm not expecting uh, – I just hope it's a close game. I just hope it's not a blowout. And if they win, bonus. If they don't bonus that that's a move of a guy who who played before he understands the mentality of a player because they don't get to this level you know without being you know acutely competitive and knowing how things went he's he's like look new coach fresh systems clean slate go out there play your heart out see what happens Now, on the rest of the players, though, there's been a lot of talk of trades and trade rumors. Uh, Half the Canadians are on uh, the fourth period's trade board. (laughs) And uh, Friedman in uh, the uh, 32 Thoughts podcast just recently was talking about the Flames and Toffoli. Like, heavy talk. He spent about five minutes on just that. Do you guys think that's, uh, that's got legs? No. It's a good fit for the team. Uh, for it's a good fit for uh, Calgary. Oh yeah, I think he fits their system really well. But uh, would not give him up. His uh, I like his chemistry that he's got with uh, with Suzuki, and we've seen since he's been back. Suzuki's, Suzuki's been a better player. Now they just need the the correct coaching and a little bit of, of a kick in the ass, and I think they'll be just fine. Unless they get Johnny Gaudreau coming back, I don't see it happening. What if they sh- they said we'll give you a first Peltier? And then you, here's, you know, just to, you know, Derek Roy, so you can take a little bit of cap in return. I don't think anyone's off the table. Don't no. get me wrong. If the right trades out there, but I, I kind of agree with Matt. I think Tavoli's, he says he wants to be there. He says he wants to play through this. And when you get a player like that, that, that to me, that shows a little bit of the leadership that they're lacking. Yeah. Yeah. Like you the have what? a player here that that wants that says I want to be here, Drew. I want to get this team through this. Yeah. So I, I think just that alone should give him a little bit of a leeway to say, all right. And he's not that old. His contract's only what two years after this, two more years after this. Yeah. Uh, Four point two five. It's a yeah. fucking steal. And he's still the bet one of the better offensive players on the team. So yeah. now that's the room, why. With, 
Go that's ahead. why I think a lot of teams are trying to get to him. I think, Absolutely. I think Hughes is, he's going to be smart on this. He's not going to give him away. If someone shows up and says, here's my top prospect, here's a first, here's something else, you know, three, four pieces that are really good quality, then sure, I can see him going. And I think Calgary might be desperate enough to do it. Do I think it'll happen? No. The one but player the one player that uh, people have been talking about, especially going to Edmonton, is Josh Anderson. And uh, He's not going anywhere. Montreal has fucking looked for a player like Josh Anderson for so many years. He got to keep him. And he's already said that he wants to be there, and that's why he signed the, uh, the extension, et cetera. After the comments he made after that New Jersey game, that's what you want out of a guy on the team. Yeah. You want someone that hates losing. Yeah, that's like that's like that's very good leadership. That's yeah. like put a put a letter on his jersey type leadership, right? He's he's not going to have a letter on his jersey. No. He's not going to be that kind of leader, but someone who just despises losing. And also, let's remember, he's he's his type of player. The type of player he is is a rare commodity in the NHL. So he's not going at this deadline, maybe a year or two, maybe if the rebuild is still going on, but not, not now. Definitely. Yeah, not. His analytics are shit. He shouldn't even be on the team. Trust me. I know all about analytics. Yeah. So uh, if we had Vector Mente and Kotkaniemi, we'd be in the playoff spot right now. Guaranteed. Uh, analytics, sure. baby. Although I do like what St. Louis said about that. He goes, I don't mind analytics, but I go by the eye test. And if you're not doing it on the ice, I don't care what your stats say. He did say, though, that he likes he did say- analytics and he wants them to build it up. But he wants an analytics that that f- feed him. the eye test. Yeah, that feed him information that would improve his eye test. Yeah. So. Which is what it's supposed to do. Correct. It, it, you can't have, like I've always said, and Wave Intel will agree with me. You got to put all three together, your basic stats, your advanced stats and your eye test. And that's how you make a good, that's how you figure out a good player. And I want to make it clear, you know, Jason, Paul, when you finally do get hired by the Canadians to work in the advanced stats department, remember your friends. Yeah. I'll be your eye test guy. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's probably should probably should be me because every time we have them on the show, I'm like, you know, I don't like advanced stats. (laughs) that's what i start out with every time we talk to him yeah but i ask the tough questions (laughs) what's two plus two like if victor mente's advanced stats are so good why is he so shitty yeah why should i give a fuck about corsi (laughs) (laughs) why are you so pissy that was another that was another his expected goals were 30 why did he only score three yeah (laughs) But no, I, I, the season's pretty much done. So I, here, I, I've made my prediction. I expect them to win nine games. That's it. No more. But I expect closer games. Now, I'm going to ask you guys for a little prediction for the remainder of this season. Matt, what do you think is going to happen in the remaining 38 games? I'm going to say they're going to win more than nine games. I believe we're going to see a little bit more uh, closer hockey. Hopefully we're going to get uh, Allen or Price back in the lineup. I think there's going to be some big changes at the, uh, at the deadline players that you expect to move are going to be moved. And um, 
they're going to try to boost the youth and try to and try to get some of these guys uh, in the lineup and try to get them signed. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Jordan Harris in the lineup as soon as possible. If he signs. If he signs, yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny, you know, Jordan Harris playing in Northeastern. Uh, the head coach and the GM both have sons yep. that play we, at Northeastern. And I'll even throw a wild card out there. Um, we might even see uh, them offer Farrell a contract. I doubt that, but okay. Could happen. Could happen. Even if he even if he went to Lavelle, they might offer it to him. Treg, what about you? I think they're going to win 15 games. Whoa, 15. whoa, 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 whoa. 15 of 37. Yeah. Okay. okay. I think they're going to play close to 500. They're going to win two games in a row at some point. <laughs> now we're getting ahead of ourselves here. This is just insane. Regulation um, or overtime? Doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> two wins is two wins. Doesn't matter. And I don't think they finished last in the, uh, I don't think they finished last overall. I think they finished second or third last. That's possible. Yeah. That's my I predictions. That. I think they're going to move to a 3,000-seat stadium because that's going to be the uh, trend going forward for the NHL. Um, <clears throat> how is that still an NHL team? How? Gary Batman. That's how. Gary yeah. Batman. And it's a multi-year contract. Yeah. And they paid up front. Mm-hmm. They also have to put $20 million in upgrades to make it NHL suitable. The so they're going to add 15,000 more seats? <laughs> no, no, no. For the dressing rooms and training areas for the other uh, team. Yeah. yeah, because it's a friggin' university friggin' rink. It's going to yeah. be like going to Shannon Park. <laughs> well, kind of, because they tore down Shannon Park. That's my point. <laughs> All I'll the asbestos. In my backyard, they can play here for a couple thousand dollars a night. <laughs> Done. You get just as many people coming out to watch. A couple of guys leaning over the fence with beers. Same thing as Arizona. Um, all right. Uh, I've made my prediction for my final thought. I just want to tell everyone that our next episode, we're going to be visited by a special guest. Lyle Richardson, Spectres Hockey is going to join us. We're going to talk about trade deadlines, rumors, uh, his broken arm, the, everything. It's all on the table. He couldn't, he couldn't carry the load, so we're going to help him because he's only got one arm. That's right, Lyle. We're chirping you already. He's an old sailor. He can take it. Love you, buddy. I don't know how you break your arm typing. That's, uh, I just don't get it. <laughs> he, he probably said something like, honey, I think I'm right, and then she proved he wasn't. He probably said, I like Treg's birthtime day uh, idea, and she just broke his arm. That, you know, plausible. It's plausible. Or he was out shoveling all that freaking snow that hit us the other week, and that'd be enough. All right. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, I appreciate all the interactions that we've had with you guys. You guys make it fun. Keep those coming. Uh, suggestions, topic, comments. If uh, if you send us an email at habsunfilteredoutlook.com and maybe it's a really bad dad joke, maybe it's a, an idea you want us to pass on on the show, we take everything. And if it's, if we, uh, if, you know, if it amuses us, it'll be on the show. 
So, you know, get creative. And Vinny, stop sending those pictures. I'm serious. This is getting weird. We don't need to know what Oscar the Grouch and Miss Piggy are doing. All right? Enough. So, again, thank you for listening. And remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.